0: All right, what's up guys? Uh we're almost ready to go here. Welcome to Ben. Welcome to Andrew. How are you guys doing tonight? Good.
1: I'm doing great. This is like um, last summer summer I sprinted home from kickball, got all got all dressed up for the show. And then uh here, here I am, ready to go.
0: Yeah, so this is gonna be a good one. Uh, I'm gonna fire it up right now, guys. Good. Fish, 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 fish. What's up, everyone? Um, we're, we're two months out uh, from the NFL season officially starting. Uh, for those of you drafting in Vegas, uh, you will be in, in somewhere either of just finished a draft or getting ready to do the degenerates uh, post-opening game draft. <laughs> I may or may not be in one of those ones. So we have to bring the heavy hitters in um, tonight. We're bringing in Ben Gretch. I don't need to give him much of an of an introduction. If you're if you're about that life, like the young kids say uh, in fantasy football game, uh, you know who Ben is. Uh, you listen to him on stealing bananas uh, with Sean Siegel. Uh, you listen to him on ship chasing, um, and we're also also going to talk a little bit more uh, about stealing uh, stealing signals tonight. Um, I'm a I'm a stealing signals subscriber. Um, maybe Ben, you could talk a little bit about stealing signals um, and what it what it offers to the uh, the fantasy community.
3: I mean, it's it's mostly just a newsletter where I write about whatever I whatever I think is important. <laughs> 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 like it's like a personal blog. No, uh, during the season, stealing signals, I go team by team. I break down everything I saw on Sundays, uh, on Mondays, and Tuesdays. It's very long, thorough. Highlight what I think the signal and noise is, key stats. Uh, you know, looks at um you know snap shares and route shares and all the you know usage stuff, but also always keeping an eye on you know actual the like the actual talent of the players and and you know where things can trend the things we know in large uh you know uh, analyses that are done all through the off seasons the things that we're looking for we're looking for rookies roles growing we're looking for young players that are you know potentially gonna move forward where where chips are gonna fall positively typically for these guys so, um that's the in-season thing and that's definitely a grind people seem to really like that in the off-season i mean i've, I've been writing a lot of theory posts i've just been writing stuff that i think is really interesting i'll be doing these off-season stealing signals posts here in the next couple of weeks where i go team by team after i've gone through my projections and um highlight all the things that i think are really notable relative to, to you know for, for draft season relative to where guys are going in drafts and all that so um, a lot of a lot of content coming there for for draft season over the next couple of months but um, yeah, I mean, the the concept for the newsletter was the you know the in season article, which I've, I've read for about five years now, I think. And um, it's just you know the, the in depth team by team look at all that stuff. It, it started as you screaming into the void, and there's like Theo and I and <laughs> need more
1: content.
0: <laughs> um, I, and I think it's great because I think you, you. you you basically make some uh, more complicated things uh, very simple to read and follow. Uh, You watch all the games and I think you're able to spot. um, It's very helpful for like future waiver wire stuff um, kind of for assessing where your team is for a dynasty. I think you're good at projecting, uh, you know, future breakouts or guys that are on the cusp. Um, And, and, you know, if you're into things like, you know, looking into targets per route run you know, green zone touches. I mean, Ben is extremely detail-oriented with it. And if you subscribe to it, you get access to your rankings as, as well, Ben, or are you planning to release those? Yeah, on rankings
3: will be out um, soon. I, ha- I mean, I, I live in a state where I'm not able to do underdog and, and as much drafting as I want to do yet. So I haven't released any rankings yet, in part because I'm like, I feel like I'm behind some of my subscribers in terms of, and I want to be able to test my rankings enough before I, you know, make them public. I mean, there's a lot of rankings out there, but I'll, I'll have some some out very soon. I've had a lot of people asking um, here in the next, you know, couple of weeks. Certainly in time for draft season, in time for August. Awesome, Greg. Are you are you going to Vegas this year? Were you yes, there last year? I am. I did not go last okay. year. No, because nice. I mean, just you, COVID concerns. Schedule concern wind from... up or now. I yeah, I'm gonna be there Wednesday to Saturday. I haven't got my flights yet. I was actually looking earlier today. Uh, that's when the the ship chasing guys they already got their flights. That's the days they'll be. I'll be there, kind of you know, hanging hanging with those guys.
1: Yeah, very nice. Yeah, I'm doing. What are you doing Theo? Wednesday to Saturday?
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing I'm, I'm out early
1: Saturday. Norm, normally I'm there like all day through Sunday, but I'm, I'm out early this year.
0: I'm I'm staying Sunday this year, and I'm, nice. I'm flying out on uh, on Monday morning. So I'm I'm doing the gauntlet oh. Wednesday. Wednesday through Sunday, um, drafting way, way too many teams. I'm doing uh, FFWC, FFPC, and NFFC. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be just awesome this year. I'm, I'm super super stoked for it. And speaking of drafts, uh, Andrew and I we drafted last night. We had a half million Billy's show where we live drafted a football guy's team. But all three of us are in slow main events right now. Um, what round are you in, Ben? About the twelfth about the 12th. So you guys are a little ahead of me, Andrew, you're, you're 17th. Okay. So you're almost done. And, and I'm at the very end of the seventh, maybe we could just talk about our structural builds um, through like the first seven rounds, Um, which way, which way did you guys go uh, Ben with you? you? Well, I mean, surprised, but we wound up with a zero RB team. It wasn't really
3: intentional, oh. uh, but we came out the gate hot this year. It's a full zero RB. We had the one Oh five, I think there's a pretty clear top five this year. Personally, Uh, Jamar chase at one Oh five, pretty easy selection. Really liked getting Kyle Pitts in the second round. And then we got T Higgins as the last of a wide receiver tier in the third. And then by the time you're in the fourth, it's like, I mean, there's some backs we could have considered there, but I'm a big, you know, running back dead zone guy. I that's, I think if you're at that point and you haven't taken a running back yet, that's when you can make a mistake and start trying to pile up running backs. That's where the hit rate tends to be really poor. I'm, okay with taking the running backs in the first three rounds, you know, contrary to sort of my sometimes, you know, more public persona. I, I'm totally fine with hitting on some of the guys that we know we're going to be workhorses. But if you go a different route in the first three rounds, it's like the, the, the mistake I see people make. And the reason I try to push people towards zero RB is that they pull out too quick. And then they're like, Oh, well, zero RB didn't work for me. But it's like the, re- the real reason it didn't is you didn't press the advantage that you were starting to create yeah. your, for yourself at wide receiver. That's what we did in this draft. We took receiver in the fourth, receiver in the fifth. Uh, We got a high upside quarterback in Kyler, more receivers. We got pretty lucky with some running back values fall to us. So we just got Singletary in the eighth, 10 picks after ADP. We got Michael Carter in the 11th. We got Gainwell in the 12th, also after ADP. I think all three of them were pretty significantly after ADP, about eight picks minimum after ADP, which was pretty nice. So now top three running backs, that's
0: not a great crew, but I'm not that upset when you have seven elite receivers, you have Kyle Pitts, you have Kyler Murray. I love the Singletary pick in the eighth. I think I think that's that's great, great value. Andrew, which way did you go with um your first few rounds? Let, let, let me do this. I'm gonna forget. So I
1: actually I actually pulled it up and I'll share it on the screen if that's if that's more professional.
0: Sure, I can go first if you if you want to.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready if you're ready. Okay, just you go me ahead. Me. Go ahead, Andrew. There you go. Add, add it to the screen. Sure. sure. G- Greg and Theo knows this because I've just been sending the board like every couple hours here. I'm in the, <laughs> the three hole. Went Justin, Justin Jefferson, which I love, Kyle Pitts, and then then Etn. So similar start. I, I absolutely Gretch would have gone T Higgins had he fallen there, but he went at three hundred two. Um, I, I love the start. And I, I don't. I want. I don't want to go too far here, uh, Theo, because I'll take it off the board and we can talk about yours, but. Yeah, I, I really did the same. I guess a, a relatively similar
3: thing. We in- took in- Brown and Bateman in the fourth and fifth as well, so we have a very similar. Yeah. I mean, Jefferson Pitts. We had Chase Pitts. We had and Brown. Bateman, yeah, in four basically, or five. We, just, we swapped what ETN
1: for a wide receiver for you guys, and ETN for Higgins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I love that start here. I think that there's some wide receivers that I obviously would have preferred over the ones I took, but ultimately, love seeing the yellow there, and then you know. The, the detours, as I, I don't know if you call it detour, but I'll my, call it my word or your Definitely. word. But the, the Kyle Pitts and the Kyler Murray, just absolutely love having those there in the, the second, the seventh. So Yeah,
3: so uh, you got Elijah Moore there at 6.10. Elijah Moore and Amon Saint Brown both went earlier in the sixth for us than our uh, pick at 6.08. And we labored at 6.08 for the, the ship chasing community that's listening to some of our mini-sodes. Uh, who'd you end up, up going of,
1: in the sixth then?
3: We decided to go Kyler. So we decided we would probably go Hopkins. Our ideal was to kind of come out with Hopkins and then Kyler in the seventh. We thought Kyler would make it back. We already had Marquise, and we were like, well, kind of like this was sort of my thought, was if we take Hopkins first, it's kind of a worst case scenario because we already had Chase Higgins too. We didn't want to be left in a situation where we had these two like wide receiver pairs and didn't double stack either with their quarterbacks, right? Yeah. And so we were like, all right, we're gonna take Kyler first. If Hopkins goes, then we can pivot off the receiver. That's less of a, you know, a, a bad outcome, basically. Yeah. So we went Kyler first. We were still targeting Hopkins. He did go. We took Devonta Smith on the way back. Got it. Okay. Love, love that structure,
1: obviously. Yes. Yeah, what very about you? Okay, yeah. Take take mine off, and then we can. Because I still want to talk about the
0: nonsense that I did in the later rounds. But so I, w- I wanted to humble brag about getting a, a one ten Jamar Chase share. Uh, what? Chase, I got I got Chase at the one ten. It was a it was a in very main, interesting run. In a main yeah. event, <laughs> main very interesting run <laughs> where we had a um, Dustin Jefferson goes off at the one oh four uh, to Biplap Mandel, um, who's been on the Goat District. Uh, just a great player. Um, and then it goes Eckler, Kelsey, King Henry, Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook, and I'm sitting there and I get a little Jamar Chase at the 110, um, and I and I loved it. Um, the room was tilting. I have paid for that. Bro, <laughs> continue, it was, continue, was a
1: little. It was a
0: little. It was a little, was a little continue, upset.
1: Continue to brag, man. The room was going ballistic. You were yeah, there, there, was, there was you were definitely so some sad. anger there in that. But list. hey, you know,
0: uh, six, seven, eight, nine. You know, I can understand the Eckler argument, but. The other guys, I think there's no way, especially after you know we saw see the all white uh, jersey with the white helmet today. It's I mean Jamar uh, Chase is wide receiver. Well, and wide.
3: I understand if a couple people like structurally really want to start with a running back or whatever, but it's it's wild that that many people are sitting at seven, eight, nine and going, I can get a share of Jamar Chase at seven, eight, nine. I'm not going to get another. This is a unique build already. Like I mean, that, that's that's awesome. You're going to have a very unique build with Chase.
0: And then I got Swift um, in the second round, so I was happy with that. Then I went. Yeah, there's I went, not going to be a lot of
3: Chase Swift teams this year, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's
0: that's what I'm thinking too. Um, but then I went, I went Waller, which in retrospect I don't hate at the end of the third. Um, but I'm you know knowing what I know with this with this the way the board is gone, I might have pivoted there. Um, then I went Waddle. I actually took Elijah Moore at the five ten because my board went wide receiver crazy. Uh, there was a big run. Um. It was Judy went and then I took Elijah Moore, which I don't, you know, I don't really hate. I, I like Elijah Moore. Um, and then I actually went with a pick. Neither one of you will like, I went with Antonio Gibson in the sixth round, which I've kind of come around on slightly. No, I, like it. I, like it. Um, I don't mind Gibson in the sixth. I know that there's some people completely off of Gibson, but I feel like it might've been, we might've seen like an overcorrection um, for, for where he's going. I mean, we've seen him average 14 points per game, two years in a row. I don't love the situation, but where I start seeing him going like mid sixth, um, I've, I've drafted a couple of football guys, uh, teams like that, uh, and I and I don't mind the structure of where it goes. But again, it's kind of like a retrospect thing because there was another huge wide receiver run. So I actually pushed Chris Olave in the late seventh. Um, there's a lot of quarterbacks still on the board, a lot of running backs still on the board. The wide receiver was completely drying up, and I wanted a high upside guy. Um, I'm betting on him having a, a better year than some, again, in, in New Orleans. So um, it's interesting to talk about these structural builds um, and talking about these slow main events, and I, and I think it's great to do some of these ones early. Um, but I wanted to pivot back over to – Did you um, take
3: Olave over
0: uh, Garrett Wilson? Or I has did. Wilson not gone? You did. I took him over Wilson because I have Elijah Moore. And I do okay. want to double down on the Jets wide receivers. Not to table talk if anybody's listening in currently in my main. But I <laughs> Andrew and I Andrew and I do like Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Um, but I don't like I haven't liked doubling down on like questionable offenses. Sure. Like we've done this a couple times. Th- like Andrew and I took Darnell Mooney and we considered Cole Komet. We're not doing any kind of a double tap with any offense we're not sure about, um, especially in some of these early early drafts. So yeah, I, I like Wilson. Um but I don't see him going in the next few picks. I think he'll be there if, if I want him, you know, coming up. Um, I think more likely than not, you're going to see somebody take, you know, one of the elite quarterbacks and maybe it starts a different run. So I don't know it's hard to say with these early mains, you could throw ADP out the window. Yeah. yeah Theo, before you pivot away, throw my, throw my board up, back up on there. I want to I sure. ask Gretchen a question.
1: I, and, and honestly, I think you and, um, Sean articulated my thoughts. I like when you guys articulate my thoughts that I have, but you <laughs> sit in such a, such a better way. Um, the, the draftable wide receivers uh, through 11, I ended up taking Rondale Moore, but I don't know how, how deep dive you, you looked at some of these running backs aside from ETN Gretch. I only have rookie running backs, Kenneth Walker, Spiller, Robinson, <laughs> white Snoop <laughs> Connor, Tyler Beatty. Um, there was just a situation. I mean, it's where, better
3: than the teams that are just loaded up with twenty-eight-year-old backs, in my opinion. Personally, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, and I and it was one of those things where, like, I if you look at like we ended up having like a few like runs on these like even rounds for the running backs where they just kept flying off the board, but they were just it just kept kept coming up a situation where like I wanted to still have like the last call it draftable wide receivers here, especially with this Rondale Moore of like the double stack of Kyler. Um, yes. what, what what's your and maybe you already just you know said it there. What's your position there? Like, is it is it just you absolutely still have to be smashing these, like, Michael – like, you know, I guess I never had a chance for, like, Michael Carter. Maybe, like, the Darrell Henderson, or, like, Kenneth Gamewell instead of Rondell Moore. Like, maybe we just asked – or I asked that specific question there. In round 11, given this build, right. let me – No, I'm definitely line.
3: taking Rondell Moore in round Okay. I mean, All right. you, you're, you're completing that double stack. You've already taken three running back. I mean, I'm going to be – less running back heavy than most so yeah when you're asking me you got to take that okay good i'm asking but when yeah. you take ken walker and eight and when you take isaiah spiller and 10 i'm with you we're like there's not going to be a lot more at receiver later you had five good receivers to that point or tony's an upside receiver that i like in the ninth round we don't i mean wide range of outcomes there yeah. right but four really good ones in the early rounds i mean obviously in ffpc we're talking two running backs two receivers two flex you can you can do whatever you want in those flexes. I'm typically thinking of those as you know wide receiver positions because there are a lot more wide receivers that can fill them. If you can fill them with elite running backs, I know there's a lot of people who are trying to hammer running backs and try to get the four good running backs. But if you can get depth at receiver and fill out those flexes at receiver, that can be really helpful. So you had basically four, Tony is a pretty good fifth. I mean, I'm definitely going to want to get a sixth of there. If there's anything that I would say about that draft, like I feel like it's a receiver light still, right? Yeah. Like that, because that's just where I, you know, where I come from. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't, I mean, there's not a lot more you could have done from there, though. So I do actually like that you didn't try to fix that. You were hitting the running backs that you like and, and make, you know, trying to be deep there. You can obviously still flex if you get breakout running backs. But, um, you know, maybe if it was me, I might not have taken like Ken Walker. Maybe I would have went receiver, receiver. Still, still another there. receiver there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, right. I yeah. In retrospect, I mean, I, I I'm in on IU, and I know we're gonna hit a bunch of receivers. So I don't skip ahead. But yeah, I, I just want to I wanted to ask that question because I, I I know I was texting Theo as we as we kept going. I was like, Hey Theo, I, I gotta tell you, man, it's, it's it's another rookie running back for me. <laughs> I I'm make an absolute like sh- shit show of this team with all rookies.
0: And I think like in the early drafting, um, you know, if it's training camp and you start getting really positive reports on Isaiah yeah, Smiller, he moves up. Um, you know, there's a chance Zamir White moves up, um, Snoop Connor, I know you've been, you've been hammering all, all dynasty season and, yeah. you know, like he, he could be interesting. So I think like you got values on those guys, but just leaving the board up, this, this particular board is not as wide receiver crazy as right. like mine, like my Kadarius Tony in mine goes in the mid seventh, uh, here, you're getting in the ninth. When you start getting into these, um, main events where, Wide receiver just keeps getting pushed up and pushed up and pushed up. Do you guys think there's some um, there's some value to kind of zigging while there's other zag and diving into to maybe go with a, elite one off positions or you know pivoting to a running back? I mean, is there a point where the value is going to present itself di- differently, or do you think you, you potentially push up wide receiver a little bit more to make sure that you get like? You know, those guys that you think should be going in the fifth or excuse me, good should be going in the sixth, but they happen to go in the fifth. I mean, how do you guys handle those those boards where people are drafting like you? Maybe start with Ben on this.
3: Well, I think Shelly hit my answer really well by saying there's this point where receiver to me loses the, the upside like there. There's it's yeah. not as deep of a position as you want. So if people are hammering it and you start taking a different line towards running back or something you're going to basically get boxed out at wide receiver. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, again, I think wide receiver points, or, I mean, all, all, all positions are going to, you know, all the points count the same, but I, I want to make sure that I have strong receivers. That That is a key to a lot of my drafts. Uh, they're I think more stable, more projectable targets are more projectable. Skill is more projectable at the receiver position. We don't see players from the late rounds at receiver suddenly gain 12 rounds of value like Daryl Henderson did last year when Cam Akers, you know, got injured um, because running back such an opportunity driven position, you can hit ceiling outcomes later in a way that you just really can't at other positions. And so receiver for me, it's really important to get in that, that group. So if people are hammering it, I want to hammer it even more. And basically I'm just thinking, all right, I'm more likely to go like full zero RB I'll get better running back starting like the eighth round, but I want to already have like six receivers by that point. And then I can switch over to running back a little earlier. And if people are pushing down these running back values, like I wouldn't mind taking a Ken Walker in round eight um, in, in a draft like that. Or I mean, a, yeah. in, in this draft, frankly, actually I was kind of bring, going back to that point. Cause as I looked at this more, I think maybe Spiller is the one, I actually kind of like the Walker pick because that was a tough receiver spot. Yeah, I probably would have went Garrett Wilson instead of Spiller. Might have been the one
1: that you know. Yeah, I, I, you know, it it, can I I tell you though, it's so funny because like I'm gonna make the same point Theo just made. I had the same mindset where I was it was only between Spiller and Garrett Wilson there. Um, I didn't want to go double Jets.
3: Yeah, you had Elijah Moore. I I really didn't.
1: It got it it got in my head, and maybe 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 the point Theo is I gotta. I no, I think that's
3: fair. Track. I wasn't realizing you had Elijah Morris. So no, that's no I
1: I mean, but but that that I mean it was the same mindset that Theo you just said that you had with the Alave pick that you yeah. had.
3: But back, yeah. No, yeah, I, mean, I, I was just gonna wrap up and say to, to to summarize that. Like I if I start seeing a run a receiver heavy draft, like I'm not that's the position I don't want to pivot away from in that scenario. Almost any other run I don't join in the run on, right? Like I think there's other pockets and other ways to do it, but receiver I I want a lot of depth at, and I'm gonna pro- it's gonna make me want to draft receivers more, frankly.
0: Yeah. And, and and pushing guys up, um, like will you start reaching down for your guys? Where you know, kind of th- again, we can throw ADP out the window a little bit. These these drafts are are early, but like for example, like if if you want a Kadarius Tony, you see the way the room's gonna gonna respond. Do you kind of take him? a little bit ahead of ADP. Yeah. Um, Devonta Smith, anybody who, you know, a, a younger wide receiver that you're targeting um, and how early would you go in these sort of, you know, big money drafts? To me, it's sort of a, it becomes like a two V two thing where
3: it's like in those types of drafts and Ben and then we get a lot of them in ship chasing when we're doing the best ball drafts and everybody just, I mean, they get crazy wide receiver heavy some of those drafts over there. Um, you'll get running backs two rounds after ADP, right? So it's like if I take an 8th round receiver in the sixth round and a sixth-round running back in the eighth round, it really kind of doesn't matter. Like, I'm okay to reach in that scenario. I don't even really necessarily think of it as a reach. I guess I would think about it in terms of the positional ADP. And if you still think it's the right decision structurally, you're not – I mean, you're reaching by ADP, but you're, like I said, like obviously, if that many receivers are going, other positions are getting pushed down. Or you're going to get a great QB value. You're going to get a great tight end value somewhere. You're going to get some of that value back. You got to be, you know, flexible. Still, I'm not saying I'm just like absolutely hammering receiver. If I get into a pocket where I feel like the next group of receivers isn't that interesting, and there's another pocket after that that I do like some of the receiver names, then I, you know, still might pivot out of that. Right. But I, I'm going to be more diligent about those detours. You know, if yeah. I'm taking a detour, it's, it's intentional.
1: Yeah. Uh, first of all, Theo, I uh, agree. Can you post Alex P. Keaton's chat? I t- to- totally sure. agree with this. So, so great. Great, great point by Alex. Very, very, very well
0: thought <laughs> <laughs> out. that was going to be super serious. They're going to be seven. like, they're going to be like two top 15 wide receivers uh now and we could have had them both. Uh, shout out to analysis.
1: But, but I think the- Theo and Gretchen, I mean, I think that the sixth and seventh round to me right now is like the perfect detour spot. Like yes. even if receivers are getting pushed up, I'm just going to like name names, right? Like I'm feeling, I'm on St. Brown. Look at the draft board that we have posted here So go to the YouTube, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Russell Gage. I, I got to tell you, that's the perfect spot where I'm coming off and whether it's pulling Joe Burrow up, whether it's Kyler Lamar, like who, like that to me is the perfect detour. I don't mind smashing wide receivers but I, I'd rather either skip that total, that that tier of older guys and go down, I guess, to the trail on Burks. Again, if I'm looking at this board um, or a quarterback, than smashing like a Thielen, a Gage and a Kirk. And maybe that's just maybe that's just me. But I just I'm going to be really ageist about those guys. That's and I literally that that's
3: the, the pockets I was talking you know, I yeah, was Thinking yeah. about but when I said that, well, if there's a pocket you don't like, a yeah. pocket you do like. Like I like the rookies in the pocket after that. That's when I would detour and, and I would yeah. come back in.
1: So you, you either detour to quarterback or tight end or pull, or pull somebody up or like a, a round. An, or yeah. A round I mean, if it's
3: a really draft. receiver heavy draft and maybe I'm zero being like, I might actually be able to get like a JK Dobbins in that ride. Or yeah, yeah, range, yeah. You know. I mean, I've, I've been there and, and I'll do that. I'll, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to take a dead zone back in this draft because it's an, an incredible value.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray are, are always sitting there if, if you want to pivot. Um, I mean, they're just living in that, that, you know, six, yes. seventh round right now. Um, so, I wanted to get back to um, stealing signals. You wrote an awesome piece um, on AJ Brown. It was called "All Roads Lead to AJ Brown." Uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about tacit knowledge idea and how it applies to AJ this year. Um, it's really interesting seeing kind of where his ADP is going. We're seeing him regularly going behind or right next to Michael Pittman, um, you know the DJ Moores, a couple other other receivers that maybe, two and a half months ago, we wouldn't have bet, would be right next to him in ADP. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about the article and your thoughts on A.J. Brown this year.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty stoked on Brown. Um, basically, I mean, this guy started his career with three straight years of a 2.5 or better yards per hour run. And that is like, it's hard to explain how elite that is. Like, If you get better than two yards per hour run in any season is elite, there's a very, very small percentage of players that have started their, their careers with multiple two-plus yards per out run seasons in a row. I it, he, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but he might be one of the very few ever to do three in a row at 2.5 or better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's just been super elite. I think his career high in routes run is like 406, though, because his team hasn't dropped back to pass a lot, right? He's been banked up at times. They've had some weird games and game scripts where the, the Titans in particular where they didn't always run him out in, in full route shares, maybe because they're trying to keep him a little healthy as he was d- dinged up and all that. His rookie year obviously took until the end of the year for him to be in a full route share. But for that stretch, he was absolutely elite, right? The next year, a couple injury issues. Last year uh, dealt with some stuff as well. Part of me, like a lot, I think a lot of people are just saying, okay, he's going from low value, uh, low volume passing offense to another low volume passing offense. He's got more competition now. You know, We're going to knock him down a little bit. You look at his like targets per hour on some of that stuff. It's incredible. You also look at this element where he hasn't ever been a full route share guy, and there's this potential for him to actually add routes, right? You also look at what he did in college alongside uh, DK Metcalf. They played 20 games together. He doubled them up in receptions. Like, absolutely was the alpha. He was the number one. Metcalf was the number two. It wasn't a 1A, 1B thing. He was the elite guy. So you – You put all those elements together. You talk about him changing teams. I'm a little concerned about a little bit more target competition, but I think there's certainly in his range of outcomes This reality that he's just like a top three receiver in the NFL, like full stop, right? He's just elite. He's going to be the elite number one in this new offense. And then maybe they treat him as a player that actually runs routes, hundred percent of drop backs all the time. That's something that actually was a low key part of Cooper Cup's breakout last year. He, he started, earning targets per route at a much higher rate than he ever had. He was also more efficient. Those were the big drivers. But also Cup used to be a guy a couple years ago and and earlier that would not get to run routes on every dropback. He would come out of the game at weird times. He never ran as many routes as Robert Woods. Last year that flipped, suddenly Cup was running routes on every single dropback. He was the number one. He was viewed that way in the system. If Brown gets that, uh, that alone should be beneficial to him. There's other, you know, concerns with him, obviously. There's the long-term trend of, of wide receivers changing teams. There is the fact that the Eagles might still be sort of run heavy. I think they're a, a, a low-key bet to, to throw quite a bit more this year after drafting Devonta Smith in the first round last year and then trading for A.J. Brown this year. I mean, I think they're trying to add weapons. They do have a mobile quarterback. They You know, they were run heavy last year. But if that shifts a little bit, if it shifts a lot, if they're the, you know, the year the Bills went full, you know, full pass on early downs, pass with intent with Josh Allen. If they do something like that with Jalen Hurts now that they have, you know, the wide receivers as the strength of their offense right now, pretty clearly. I mean, I think there's plenty of upside for AJ Brown. So I I mean he's a guy I do definitely really like in the
0: third round. And you think he's he has potential to you know be the league winner um, from the range people are starting to get him in?
3: Yeah. So when we're talking about like I'm not talking about like the 2.5 yards per out run stuff, I mean the way I look at route sprout run, I break it up into the two elements. And in, in fantasy, we always talk about opportunity and efficiency. I think of receiving as having three elements: routes run is the opportunity. We used to always talk about targets as the opportunity, but targets like target earning is a skill that's a, you know become very well known. I think now in, in fantasy. So this when I talk about targets per route run, that's sort of the first, you know, efficiency metric. How good are you at that? How good are you at earning what we think of as volume or opportunity? But really, you got to be good at running running routes and getting open. He showed an elite ability to do that last year. I think he's elite at that element. Then there's the third element, which is the after-the-target efficiency, yards per target, touchdown rate, catch rate, whatever, yards after the catch. What do you do when the ball's in your hand? A.J. Brown's elite at all that stuff. Like he's a one of the very rare guys that is a downfield A.DOT guy that also adds yak because yak and and A.DOT are inversely correlated. It's you know a lot of the guys that you're getting targets on the line of scrimmage are doing a lot with the ball in their hands. Brown has some really impressive uh, metrics so far in his career in terms of that combination. Um, And and so you have this guy who's going to be pretty elite after the target already showed really elite target earning skills last year, and this is why. Over his three years, he's been a 2.5 yards per outrun guy each year. He can do both elements of it. He's like, in my mind, he's like a prime Theo or a prime Julio or a prime Calvin Johnson. Downfield, big receiver, adds yak, elite target earner. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of like, can that be guy be a, a league winner? Like, yeah. like, like And he's going in the third round. Like, I mean, I, I love that.
0: Yeah, it's Andrew, we took A.J. Brown uh, at the uh, the 302 uh, in the FFWC video showdown draft oh, that we were sharing. Um, what's your thought on him, Andrew? Is he, is he somebody that we should be kind of pushing up, especially, you know, for teams, we, we, we see kind of very common builds. Um, the 101, for instance, we're seeing like a, it's either McCaffrey or Taylor every draft. And then we're seeing T. Higgins and usually another wide receiver. Should we... Should AJ Brown be the person we're we're pairing up with that elite running back? Yeah,
1: this is this is why I'm not going to come on anymore. This is just just listening to guests gives me a pit in my stomach about decisions that I made weeks <laughs> ago. I I really should have done the AJ Brown over uh, ETN in that third round of that main. Uh, I also checked. I'm really I glad. Mean, I love ETN that. too.
3: I, I don't think that was
1: a bad thing. <laughs> I'm glad Theo, you mentioned that we had him in a tournament setting uh, or a best ball setting because I, I just checked my ownership percentages and I realized that I've got a ton of exposure in Dynasty. But absolutely none in the football guys or the uh, the main events yet. So I gotta I gotta go figure out how I uh, sort that out. But I I I, I agree, and uh, if he kind of feels like now, um, you know, obviously solidifying, listening to you know, obviously Gretchen and others, like he feels like a, a great, in my opinion, I'll call him a consolation prize to uh, to Higgins there. Um, yeah, if you're looking late second, early
3: third. Yeah, and I think he's right there with Higgins personally, but like that's, I mean. To me, those guys probably aren't as different from like Ceedee Lamb as it seems. Yeah. I, I do like um, Ceedee Lamb, but I think we don't have like a clear wide receiver six this year, wide receiver seven, and that tier is sort of flat. They all are really good into the third round. I'm still comfortable taking Ceedee Lamb in the early second, but – in drafts, I think the gap between them feels bigger than probably their profiles actually are. And and Lamb's kind of pushed up to wide receiver six because there's no one really challenging that. There's no other receiver that yeah. is like right behind these, you know, the top five, Devonta Adams and Diggs, and, and then obviously the big three. And and Brown and Higgins is where that group sort of ends on the back end to me. And you start to get into like, okay, now you're in the middle round receivers, you know.
0: Quick OTC for you both. Um, I think I know which way you're each going to go. Debo Samuel or AJ Brown? Start with Andrew. I'd go AJ Brown. It kind of, I mean, it kind of depends. <laughs> Is that fair? I
3: mean, I like I drafting tomorrow. If, if if their ADP's come together too, then I'm, I'm taking AJ Brown. And if I have one draft and it's for a bunch of money, I'm taking AJ Brown. If it's I'm doing all my drafts, I I'm, I'm I want some exposure to Debo too. I'm not going to start drafting AJ Brown a half round ahead of
0: ADP to get Yeah,
3: Debo, mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah, I, I think I'll I'll, yes. I'll I'll say the same thing. It's for me they're they're very close. I haven't taken a lot of Debo because I think he's getting pushed up right now. Um, and then I'll throw out Tyree Hill, who's going slightly ahead of AJ Brown, and a guy yeah. we'll talk about a little. I, bit. I like I like Tyreek more than AJ Brown. My opinion. I think like peer rankings. I think
3: I'm I'm still taking AJ Brown. I I I that's a tougher one for sure. Yeah. Ty I mean Tyree can. You know, could, can make me look really bad on that for sure.
0: I might lead, be leading Tyreek Tyre Hill at this point, but again, it's it's a very tough one. Um, pivoting over to running backs. Uh, it feels would, like, oh, sorry, sorry, before we switch it, it feels
3: like on all those questions, Debo, Tyreek, A.J. Brown, the, it's more a question of what, how much do you buy into the, the pass offense, right? Like, how much are you buying into Miami's passing situation? How much are you buying into Trey Lance and what could happen in San Francisco? How much are you buying into Philly and their pass upside? Because, like, all three of those guys are incredible receivers, right? Yeah, yeah it's
0: it, they're all very tilting um, at ADP because you can it, you can tell yourself a story that they're, right. they're going smash, and then you've you know offense question marks. It's 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 very tilting. Um,
1: yeah, without, cross, um, cr- cross sport analogy, it's almost like being what the, the Houston Rockets this year. You get the you get the Chet Bancaro or the Jabari Smith, and the Rockets are in a pretty good position because you just they're going to take the third one. They don't have to. The decision's made for them. Right, so if you're picking at the what 103, okay, fine. Debo and AJ Brown go ahead of you know ahead of you. Okay, great. I'll take Tyreek, or you know, you'll take whatever falls to you,
0: uh, and you'll be happy about it up into that second round. I love the NBA rookie analogy you bring in there, yeah, Andrew. That yeah, you
1: got you got to go cross cross board cross cross cultural whenever you can. It's very
0: important. Quick question uh, in the chat from uh, Johannes uh, Sanchez, who's a, an FFPC player and a, and a loyal listener. Uh, Is wide receiver point per game scored in relatively flat after wide receiver eight? Richard Rebar talks about it. Um, I I don't know the
3: specific Rebar research she's referencing. Um, My immediate thought is that he's talking about like in, in past years, we often see like a top tier that's like the top eight and then it's relatively flat is that accurate as opposed to like like that's that's how i'm that's how i'm reading it that's how
0: i'm reading it um
3: and i think i think that's pretty true i think there's usually a pretty big block of of points per game um there's some some differentiators each year and then a pretty big block that are close one of the things about and and people often talk about That like the full season numbers, full season points per game in terms of why wide receivers deep, and you can find guys later and those types of things. I mean, first of all, the differentiators typically come from the early parts of draft. We we know who the good wide receivers are because like target earning ability is actually really stable. It's not as dependent on situation in terms of you know like a running back, his workload is going to be very situation dependent, and so typically the differentiators do come if not from the first couple of rounds, then the next couple of rounds, I mean, it's, it's usually almost always the top 10, right. But you look at even just like cup last year, wasn't an elite pick or a, a top three round pick, but he was a fourth round pick. He wasn't, you know, you're not, you're not getting that guy in the 10th. So if you want to find those differentiators, that's part of why I like to go wide receiver heavy. Um, but the the second element is the consistency with the targets. Like Some of the guys that wind up – because wide receivers are way more volatile week-to-week scoring position. Some of the wide receivers that wind up in those ranges wind up in those ranges because they have sort of some hot stretches or they have some big breakouts that lead to them getting added off waiver wires and then you play them and then maybe they're not actually that great. And so they wind up with like a pretty decent points-per-game range but weren't ever like consistently startable. I mean, is that –
0: is that making sense?
3: Yeah.
1: That's the way I try yeah. to think
3: through it.
0: Yeah. No, I think that makes some sense. Um, you mean basically the way your draft structure is, you give yourself more exposure to the types of wide receivers that could finish in that, you know. And to the elite range or they're going to be
3: like consistently startable throughout. There's some guys that, I mean I, I mean, I guess I'm sort of reading into a question a little bit because – She's saying, "Is it relatively flat?" I, typically, when we say relatively flat, it's like then it's maybe not worth drafting super high. So I, the reason I think it's worth drafting is the consistency, the target earning ability, the consistency of points. Whereas, um, yeah, I mean, you, you can, will have so, some you can other be receivers flat and still have a high floor. Like you, like a really, really high. You could be
1: flat and ha- and all have like similar opportunities to jump into that elite range. I mean, I, I, I agree. I Anything mean, I that's sort of like the a, a rationale to in in the people in that tier to be drafting them.
0: And and I'll also add that I think that the way the way that uh, Ben drafts, and I think that the way that Andrew drafts as well, you give you, you think about top eight wide receiver. But when we're playing in in these uh, you know FFWC, NFFC, FFPC you know type formats, and we're thinking about the big picture and overall standings, splits do come into play. Uh, you know, finishing as as wide receiver eight, but not being strong down the stretch, um, is not really as beneficial. You, the, when you keep drafting wide receiver for depth and you add multiple wide receivers and you get those high upside guys, you end up exposing yourself to, a, uh, you know, an Elijah Moore where he had all those weeks. You know, you you get the AJ Brown from his rookie year where he, he closed out extremely. Right. I uh, was just uh, going to bring up Amon Ross St. Brown to Almonra. try to make my yep. point
3: because. He averaged 14 points per game. If you're looking at full season points per game, the point I was trying to make is like the full season points per game and how it looks flat and sometimes lie. But I don't know if this is necessarily the point Rich is making, but uh, Amon-Ra averaged 14 points per game. He's wide receiver 29 in points per game in the list I'm looking at right here like Aminra wasn't a 14 points per game player at any point. He was either worse than that for most of the yeah. first half of the year, or he was significantly better for that than that. And that was awesome, right? That that was a stretch when then you were getting him in your lineup and playing him. That's what we're trying to find is guys that can be consistently 20 plus over a stretch, right? And then have that type of ability um, for Aminra, you know, it, for a lot of rookies, it, these types of breakouts come late in the year. And, and so we're trying to hit that, that archetype of player so that we can get some of that late season upside sometimes. Um but like he's an example of a guy who scoring was way different early and late, but then comes in at like on a full season scale at 14 points per game. So I don't know. I, I almost like sort of throw out the the flatness of overall yeah. season long scoring at wide receiver. I just don't think it really fits to the way that we play it on a weekly level. Yeah. Yonis gave you credit for for the answer. So I feel
1: flash on the board. But You guys send us the the article. We'll click it, we'll read it, and we'll do some homework, and we'll give you a full dissertation. uh, A
0: A solo pod from Andrew. (laughs) We'll call it reacting to Rich. I'll put on on a tweed jacket. Yeah, Yeah. there you go. The the Konami code with Andrew Schellenberg. That's it. Um, it. We might as well stick with wide receiver here. I had a running back question. We can come back to it. Um, We talked a little bit about Debo, Tyreek, Let's talk about two other wide receivers that kind of go right after uh, Michael Pittman and and DJ Moore. Just kind of your quick reactions to uh, how they're being valued in ADP um, and your thoughts of them as mid third round picks. I think
3: Pittman's going a little rich. Um, He was a good, not great prospect. By my estimation, Uh, he was pretty good last year. But at the same time, like, didn't have a lot of target competition, still doesn't. The main issue for me with him is like, I, in it, I, I, when I'm looking at receivers, I still pay a lot of attention to the prospect profile stuff, how productive they were at, at, uh, in college. Um, and so, like, that's why I brought up even for AJ Brown. I'm still, I'm not doing this all the way through their whole career, but especially when they're young and we still have some question marks, I'm still paying attention to, Like, A.J. Brown was that much better, went on the field with D.K. Metcalf, who we now know was a good receiver. That kind of a thing still is relevant to me. Pittman was good in college. He wasn't amazing. And uh, essentially, I had a prior, I would say, coming in, that he wasn't necessarily an elite, high upside player. He was very good last year. Taking a guy in the mid-third round that I don't think can probably get up to, like, elite wide receiver season's, levels and especially also because he's in an offense that we do think almost certainly will be run heavy right they brought in a very old quarterback i mean i think matt ryan uh still probably has good football left in him but they have jonathan taylor right like, this is not this is not the eagle situation where i think there's some uncertainty they could go pass heavy they got a young quarterback maybe they, they've invested in a receiver this is a team that is investing in their offensive line they're running back and they brought in matt ryan and they're going to try to win through running the ball protecting the football and and Pittman's going to be the number one He's going to be the clear number one, but I'm looking for the types of picks that I always describe as small miss, big win type picks. Pittman to me is not a big win from this price tag, right? Like he can be a second round wide receiver return. I don't think he can be a first round return. I don't want to take him in the early third, you know, or, or the mid third. I see him go in the early third now. Sometimes DJ Moore on the flip side uh, is a guy I've always loved. When I talk about the targets per run stuff, he has done, uh very well there in multiple different roles. They use him in a deep threat role, they use him underneath. He adds the yak ability. I think he can win at all depths, which is a, a key, I think, to being able to put together like a true number one season. Um I I don't think Baker probably means as much to him as the market reacted to, honestly, but uh still pretty confident in what he can do and have kind of always been in on that we're gonna see an elite DJ more season at some point. So do you think that Baker News put him to where he should have always been? Sort of, yeah. yeah. I mean, I thought he was a good value already, cool. and and now it's like a little bit trickier to take him. But I'm still gonna. I mean, I'm I'm just sort of like I'm gonna get my exposure to DJ Moore. I'm not gonna have DJ Moore's breakout season be in a year where I don't have some. I, you know, we all got we all got our guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, Andrew and I took DJ Moore uh, last night wow. uh, in the in the third round, um, and I do think that it doesn't take a whole lot for him to take a big step forward. I mean, if he just catches four more touchdowns, um, you know, TV's, he's already. Yeah. Um, 28% target share last year. So it'll be it's just interesting to see if, if that keeps up as well. Um, your thoughts on the Chargers duo, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Andrew and I took Mike Williams in the fourth round last night. I think that you're seeing a lot of people starting to be very bullish on on Mike Williams, putting him ahead of Keenan Allen. Is this a wide receiver um, situation you want pieces of, or are you uh, specifically focusing on on one of the two or none of them? Well, we were talking earlier about sort of some of these older receivers.
3: I'm typically looking, I mean, just from a philosophical standpoint, typically looking to find players that, um, like I'm, I'm not trying to pay for past production ever in fantasy. Like so much changes year over year so with a pl- like these aging players, like Shelly was talking about Thielen earlier, uh, I have not drafted Thielen for like a couple of years now because we've started to see some slow decline. He's continued to put up the TDs, which has been nice, but a lot of times then there's an age cliff, right? And the and the production just completely falls off. Keenan Allen has not hit an age cliff, but he is a guy when you look at it the way that I do with the targets per run and then the after the target efficiency, there has been some skills deterioration. In 2020, his yards per target was way down. And then last year we saw the targets per out run follow. And so he he's always been a guy that relied on earning targets at a really, really high rate, not necessarily a massively efficient player. He's not this big physical A.J. Brown type, but he lost some of the, the yards per target from his best season. It was still down last year and the targets per out the, run, the target earning fell. And so people will talk about how his yards per out run have fallen basically every season since his peak. Uh, go back to like 2017. I think it's it's gone down every season. He had a couple really elite years in 2017, 2018. It drops pretty much every year. Since then, the last two years are the ones that are most concerning to me where we've seen a little bit less efficiency after earning the target. And then this last year, we see him earning volume at a lower rate. Having said that, I can still totally understand being in on him because I don't really buy I certainly don't buy Jalen Guyton, who's basically just one of the wind sprinters. He's like the poster boy for that, that idea of guy who runs a lot of routes mm-hmm. downfield and, and earns very, very few targets. Um, I'm not that in on Joshua Palmer. I know there's some smarter people than me that are, so maybe I'm going to miss on that, but didn't have a great prospect profile and didn't do enough last year to really change my mind. So it kind of is Keenan and and Gerald Everett. And, and Mike Williams is like, that. that's it. Like So Gerald Everett's uh, a guy that I'm kind of liking as their third option, but Keenan and Mike Williams. And I am in on Justin Herbert's development. I think we all should be. The last time we saw him in week 17, that almost tie game, everyone was rooting for the tie. Yeah, he yes. was incredible. That was one yeah, of the best second absolutely. halves and into overtime. I think he converted like six or seven fourth four downs. It was so absurd. Fun. It was yeah. such a fun game. I want to be in on him, so I can get being in on Keenan Allen. Basically, betting that somebody is going to benefit from Justin Herbert's continued takeover of, of you know, the NFL because this, this guy's going to be a star. But all of that is a lead into Keenan versus Mike Williams. Mike Williams doesn't have a ton in his profile that makes me buy into him either. But because there's a little bit more decline in, in Keenan's profile, and Williams did have kind of a career best season because he had a great start to the year last year, really mm-hmm. faded, but we saw more from him he's the one that I would prefer. Cause I think there's, it's weird though. Like you don't see a lot of year six breakouts, but like, I think he could be the, he's not young. Right. But there there could be more to his profile than we've seen. Right. He's the guy that that could bring something that we haven't seen yet.
0: And like you said, he, he did, he was dominant to start the year last year. Um, If he just has a little more consistency in, in terms of the scoring, I think, you know, he could pay off. Andrew, are you on, I know we took Mike Williams last night. Are you on either one of them?
1: This this may come as a shock, but I don't know either of them personally. But I love rooting for Keenan Allen more than I like rooting for Mike Williams. It's just something about the, the the Keenan Allen game. I think I love the hoodie underneath the the jersey. There's something sick about that. I I love rooting for Keenan Allen. Having said that, like it's it's I, I kind of got to bite that that potential age cliff bullet, Gretch, that you're mentioning. I know we had Adam Harstad on. Who discussed that on the Goat district um what a couple months ago too theo yeah um and i just I, I just think that in terms of bets that you're making there um you easily see a scenario where Keenan allen uh hits that age cliff and you get absolutely zero production there and you have a huge miss in that third round where uh may, maybe that rising tide of, of Justin herbert still lifts uh potentially mike williams i and again that's that's a little you know fl- flimsy because it could go either way but I, again i'm just more worried about the age cliff so i I have been kind of breaking the mold of my own mind of, of, of flipping it to Mike Williams here recently.
0: The, the two uh, now fourth round draft picks, Jalen Waddle and Deontay Johnson are both, uh, you know, super enticing. I know Ben, you, you uh, half jokingly said that Deontay Johnson could be this year's Cooper cup, just based on his ADP earlier in the spring. Um, I took Waddle in, in my main, Andrew and I are are big Waddle fans. Um, your your thoughts on on Waddle and Deontay in this range? Well, it, Deontay is not just
3: yeah. I mean, it's it's the the guy that could rise out of this ADP range, right? But for him, it's it's again breaking it down in terms of targets per run after the after the target efficiency. His targets per run have been elite, and they were elite in college. Another one where you can go mm-hmm. back, you can look at the college numbers. This dude earned targets per route at an incredible rate all throughout his college career. Was very strong as a rookie, and then basically elite year two, elite year three at the NFL level, he's just good at earning volume. He has never really been efficient after earning the volumes. Yards per target suck. He's not like he has these big bad drop figures, right? He doesn't do a ton after the catch. So the reason I say he could be Cooper Cup essentially is there. It, if you have a spike efficiency season, efficiency is the hardest part of this equation to predict, right? We don't really know if he gets good quarterback play. I don't think he's going to get good quarterback play, right? Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett don't really um, instill a ton of confidence, right? But (laughs) Roethlisberger was pretty bad last year in his own right. And so there's almost this like, how much worse could they be element? And if they could actually be competent. Now, I I do think there's something to probably Roethlisberger liking Deontay sort of keying in on him the way that he liked to key in on his number ones throughout his whole career. But if Deontay can maintain this target spread run that he – like I said, was doing even in college, like this seems to mm-hmm. be a skill of his uh, and then have better QB play, better efficiency and have an efficiency spike type season. He could have that monster type of year just because he can earn so many targets, he can earn so much volume. I mean, that's really what, that's why I look at targets run so much. Targets are so huge, right? And yeah. he has that d- displayed ability to earn a ton of volume. It's another reason I like Waddle. Waddle earned a ton of volume as a rookie, really strong targets brought run. We didn't see enough efficiency out of him either. Didn't see him enough explosive plays. He has the profile we would expect them, right? He's, he's an elite athlete. I'm not as like, I'm not super in on Tyreek in part because I kind of think Tyreek and Waddle are like a toss up to be the better receiver this year. Like, I don't think Waddle's maybe that much worse. And so I I just like Waddle a lot more at cost. He's the second year type of receiver. We'd want to target. Obviously adding Tyreek to the offense isn't great for him, but Maybe it opens up some things. We don't always know how these things play out. Maybe it opens up more of the explosive plays that he didn't have. Maybe it takes some of his targets per route run because he's now competing with another guy who's really good at, at earning targets per route. But maybe it adds to the efficiency side of the equation for him. That's basically what I'm projecting for him, um, that he actually gets into some proje- some some more big plays as teams have to roll safeties over Tyreek's way. So I definitely like both
0: those guys. Theo, Theo what about you? I think Andrew froze up. (laughs) Um, We'll we'll, we'll come back to Andrew's question. We'll just keep going here. Hollywood Brown, in or out. We'll call him the 4-5 turn. He's, uh, I mean,
3: he's a super interesting one because he's been pretty good throughout three years, very low-volume offense. Obviously, it it spiked a little bit more last year. Um, And now you're going to go into an offense that's like almost certain to run a ton more plays and throw more. Obviously, again, the Ravens did throw a good amount last year, but um, playing with this college quarterback, there's a lot of reasons to like him. I I mean, he's probably going to get off to a fast start with Hopkins suspended. They're going to have to rely on him quite a bit. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'm in on Brown. I wouldn't say I'm like over the moon on him. His profile hasn't been perfect or anything, and and Hopkins comes back, and maybe Hopkins then is still Hopkins. He had a little bit of the skills deterioration last year, but he was hurt quite a bit, but – There's some concern about him as well on the per route run side should control for the injury. Some he wasn't earning volume well at all. So I think there's a lot of uncertainty there. I think that maybe his injuries were really affecting him more than, you know, I would make an excuse for like a Keenan Allen who, you know, wasn't playing hurt the way that Hopkins was. Um, So when Hopkins comes back, there's some risk that maybe Marquis Brown isn't the same guy down the stretch that you need, but I think he's going to be a good fit in that offense. And it's the, it's going to be the, the biggest like offensive volume boost he's ever had. Again, other than last year, you know, like the Ravens
0: did throw a ton last year. And you have to like the fact that you're anticipating him getting off to a very fast start. I think that kind of gets underrated um, where, you know, we, we talk about, you know, so many things in drafting, but, you know, winning games and scoring a lot of points early um, puts you in a great, great position in in all of these uh, formats um, and I think that it gives you an opportunity to, to to take other wide receivers that might you know develop behind them uh, and you could potentially build a monster. Andrew, you, I've seen you take Hollywood. Um, he's one of your targets in that range. Um, any any other thoughts on him? Or no, he, I, but, he, uh, but, he, but he's sort of he, he, he's he, more of a, a player that you just take. He's sort of like a last of that tier. Yeah. Like
1: I, I right. want to get him at the end of that fourth. It's not like I, I hate it. It's not, It's definitely not I'm throwing up all over myself. Um, I'm, I'm happy taking him there. Um, but there's certainly players that I think I'd, I'd rather prefer um, or, or pull up. Um, if he's gone, pull up somebody from like the fifth or sixth round. Um, Theo Gretsch, some housekeeping notes. Bad earner hap, uh, housekeeping notes. One, DJ Moore, uh, absolutely epic Goat District uh, Pete Pat show. Last year, when you guys were doing those mini sodes, uh, and you guys, uh, the, the the ship chasing guys were talking about whether they should let DJ Moore go past my pick at the twelve, and they were, you know, it, 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 was, it was great. They were like, "Oh, there's absolutely no way twelve spot takes him." And of course, I took him. So we ended, and we ended up having a great podcast about that last year. Really fun to listen to. And uh, hint: I'm, I'm still in on DJ Moore this year. Um, on the Jalen Waddle, Deontay Johnson. Uh stats and information desk from Fantasy Mojo says that their one lucky one hole uh, has gotten them each at the 412. Uh the max pick so far through 12 slow main events. The good news is, is none of those are 501, meaning that no lucky one team has gotten both Waddle and Deontay Johnson uh at that four or five turn. So at least there's some some level of solace uh there. So
3: uh I actually have our board up because we were talking about my team earlier. Deontay did go four twelve in my main. Oh, so okay. That, yeah. We took Marquise in the fourth, and we're debating purely Marquise or Deontay. I was kind of leaning Deontay. Pat I I- liked Marquise. Arizona has that really filthy playoff schedule as well, which is a you know a really strong point in Marquise's favor for these types of tournaments. Uh, we ended up going Marquise. But I thought that was a really nice. That's interesting that you say that because I was like, I thought that was a great value for the one yeah. who got Deontay. I
1: think st- I think stand alone. Going back to the point about Mar- Marquise, I like him a lot. But if, if it's between Marquise and Deontay, I'm I'm probably going
0: Deontay. Um, I'm, Deontay as, I'm Deontay. I'm as well on, on that one. Um, um,
1: one one last one last housekeeping before you move on, Theo. Just a question on on Waddle. Uh, this is the question I was going to ask before my internet cut out. Um, Pre Tyreek Hill trade, I was taking Waddle in the second round. Maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe I'm not more likely an idiot. Um, if Hill's not there, is that the right value for Waddle? Like, is that is that the way to look at? It? I know, Theo, we talked about De- uh, Devonta Smith in those terms. Okay, AJ Brown's not here. Where are we taking Devonta Smith? Yeah. S- s- similarly, where you where would you know play the hypothetical game? Where would you all be at on on
3: Waddle? Uh, well, we kind of had that from from best ball drafts. That's what, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was taking the second round free trade. He was a late second round pick, yeah. and that's yeah. a second year wide receiver who had a you know I just pulled it up twenty three point eight percent targets per out run like he did. I mean, yeah, he's a second round pick. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like that's that, that's I, that's where I would take him. I take him and, right and about. And I think
1: that, that, that to that point, like if you have the opportunity to get even at the, I mean, to me, the three four turn. So I was talking four five turn. But uh, Deontay and Waddle, I don't even think that that's a bad three-four turn if you go Deontay and Waddle, depending on you know other value that may or may not be there. So I I, I'm I'm really in on Waddle on that early fourth round. If you can get any fourth round Waddle, I would continue to smash it until he moves up.
3: Early 80 P. I was looking at it. RotoViz the other day does have Deontay and Waddle kind of around that three-four. Yeah, on these on these slow mains.
1: Absolutely. Okay, housekeeping over. Theo, you may continue. Terry,
0: Terry McLaurin, are we in an, in or out on on him at ADP? So and, I mean, I, I feel like I've been
3: in on every wide receiver. I do love me wide <laughs> receivers, and I take a lot of them. But this is this is a good one where I can say that I'm, I'm not particularly high on him. McLaurin's never been really elite at earning targets on the per route run basis that I like to look at. He's always run a ton of routes, which is great. He's that guy that runs 100% of routes on every drop back. Uh, I do think they have a little bit more competition there this year if Curtis Samuel can give them anything. Obviously, they draft Dotson They bring in another rookie. Deami Brown was, you know, maybe a failed experiment, but we'll, we'll see if he can bring anything in here too. Not a guy that I'm targeting by any means, but there's more names there than there has been in the past years. I'm also just not really in on Wentz, like generally. Like I, I thought he was pretty poor last year. Um, so I don't know that his efficiency can be high enough. And then, like I said, yeah, just like has always been like, weirdly just okay at the at the targets per out run element he has the high a dot which is helpful right the the targets he is earning can be big plays a lot of yardage but not a guy that i see having first round outcomes in his range really so he's not a dude that i tend to take uh largely just you know it's opportunity cost there's other guys that i can take that i think do have first round outcomes in their range
0: yeah i've taken him in the fourth um I, I, there's certainly wide receivers I like more. Andrew, do you see yourself having a, a good amount of F one? I'm not going to
1: shy away, but I, I he's he's in that he's slightly below Hollywood, just above the DK Rashad Bateman. Uh, I'm just looking at the some of the show notes here. I think that my guess is I'm probably going to be what, what a third, a third, a third on that uh, McLaurin, DK uh, Bateman crew. Um, if, if if I'm picking within that group.
0: I'll throw out the two um, guys that we, you know, certainly have question marks about the offense for one of them and, and the passing volume potentially being a little less predictable. Uh, Darnell Mooney, who we took last night in the fifth round, Andrew, and then Brandon Cooks, who's been going ahead of them. Um, where are you at on those two guys? Are those two guys you want exposure to or are you pivoting in different directions, Ben? Booked is a good
3: example of sort of the older ones that he's been very good basically his whole career. Um, The concussions still worry me. They were a big worry last year. Like his situation hasn't changed other than he didn't get a concussion last year. But like last year it was going later and people were worried about the concussions. He had some concussion issues, I believe in 2020 has had a lot of concussions throughout his career. Um, And, and now he's going higher because we got the full season and he was really good, but I'm still, you know, sort of pretty concerned about his sort of long-term health. I mean, obviously it's a very serious thing. Um, And, and then also just like the, the team's not great. What's the real upside? Like, I think we saw the upside last year and it wasn't like game breaking. It was very, very good. He earned a ton of volume, but he's going to be held back by their, I mean, their their team's not going to score a lot of points and those types of elements. Like how do you get to a high touchdown rate when your team's not scoring a lot? And that's sort of the issue with Mooney for me too. Like I've always been a big, or, you know, Lately, have been a big Justin Fields guy since he came in last year. I do think he's going to develop well, and Mooney's in a good spot. But he was also in a good spot last year because Allen Robinson was just sleepwalking through last season, like literally bringing nothing. Had, had a career-worst season across the board, efficiency, targets per round run, everything. Basically just didn't want to be there on the on the franchise tag is the way that I'm reading into that. Put a that. stamp on it and just mailed the season in. Just mailed the whole season in. There's yeah. no other way to to really describe it. And Mooney was good, not great, right? But didn't have a lot of target competition. He still doesn't, like I said. But both of those are guys that, like you're you're betting on on target volume because there's not much else in their offense and those types of things. But I don't know that they themselves have you know the types of wide receiver profiles. I was talking about how wide receiver is such a talent driven position. The types of profiles that can return these huge outcomes, the Cooper Cup outcome, right out of the out of the fourth fifth round. Uh, there are other guys in that range that I think do have those types of, of ceiling outcomes are going later. Elijah Moore, you know, Almond Ross St. Brown, if he can, you know, do what he did late and, and continue to do it. Um, so those are the the swings I'd rather take.
0: Um, Andrew, anything to add on, on Mooney and, and cooks. I mean, like we took Brandon cooks last year as an eighth round pick. Yeah. Made event team. Uh, and we loved taking him in the eighth. Now you've got to take him in the fourth. Um, are you uh, I,
1: I was just going to say, I, I love, I love the, the February, March when I didn't have to take him in the fourth, fifth round. I just, again, I, you know, thinking about the player pool, player basket, whatever, I just, there's other guys I'm going to be taking other than Brandon cooks in that end of the fourth uh, beginning of the fifth round, which is where you have to take him now. And that's that I'm looking at main event ADP there.
0: Um, And then Mooney, we took last night in the fifth. I think it's um, like Mooney, to me, it's like a, a structural pick because you know you're going to get a ton of targets. But like Ben said, uh, I don't see him, you know, reaching like top 10 wide receiver level. Um He had 140 targets last year. I think he'll get that again. Um He'd have to take a, a big step forward touchdown wise. Um, and and some, of, some
3: of the thing with a player like that, because, sorry to cut you off, but like yeah, we, all, we all agree on that, is going to be – philosophical if you're drafting a lot of running backs early you might be comfortable with because that's where you're building the upside into your roster you're you're running backs you think are going to drive the scoring on your team you might be comfortable with that what we're talking about sort of a high floor there's going to be a lot of targets plenty of volume uh the way that that i like to build very receiver heavy i'm stacking as many upside profiles as i can because I'm building in some redundancy as well. Right. And then late I'm stacking in late round running back upside profiles as much as I can. You got to hit on those. And, and obviously I'll mix in some early running backs too. Um, But on a build where you have a lot of running back or excuse me, a receiver depth, a player like Mooney just doesn't really fit. Like what is he adding to you? You don't, you're, 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 you're swinging bigger with every pick.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that call. Um, I'll give you guys an OTC. You can kind of talk about them because they're going close to one another. Uh, Rashad Bateman, who we love the talent. Um, Andrew just perks up when I mention Bateman. And Gabe Davis, the the fantasy Twitter uh, poster child right now. They're going kind of close to one another. Um, where are we at on Bateman uh, and where are we at on Davis? And I'll say that I, I prefer Bateman. Uh, I'll be interested to hear what uh, Ben has to say. I kind of feel like I would take both at the right prices. I think Bateman's probably going to be really good.
3: Didn't have a great rookie season, was a great prospect, and I still care a lot about that. Didn't play a ton in his rookie year. Still very much willing to buy in for year two. I do think the Ravens' offseason moves sort of indicate that they don't want to be quite as pass-heavy as last year. They uh, draft two two tight ends, even though they have Nick Boyle coming back, and, and Josh Oliver, I think, played sort of all right for them. In you know very limited reps, so they kind of have like five tight ends. I can name five tight ends. I don't know if I can name five receivers on their team right now. Mm. I mean, I can, but like <laughs> the, it's it's harder to name their or, fifth receiver than their fifth it. tight yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this is sort of the point. And, and I think they're going to be back to this two tight end offense, this run heavy offense. They got Dobbins coming back, right? They got Gus Edwards coming back. I think if you think about it from their perspective, last year didn't go well for them, right? They closed the season losing every game for I think six straight they went very pass heavy out of necessity. I think a lot of people in the fantasy community are like, Oh, they they figured out analytics and this and that. I mean, if you look at their perspective, like with Lamar Jackson as your quarterback, their analytics mentality might be when we were running or a run focused offense with Greg Roman developing a pretty strong, you know, run pass, but, but, you know, run heavy offense around Lamar Jackson. They were a 10 win team multiple years in a row. Then last year they go eight, nine. So, Anyway, I think they're kind of trending towards being more run-heavy again and losing quite a bit of pass volume, and that's the concern for Bateman for me is purely team level. Uh, I I really like his talent. Uh, Davis is sort of the flip side where – I mean, I also really like his talent, but he's in a great spot, and the question is just like how good is he. But but it's how good is he. It's also is he going to run – full slate of routes. That's sort of the whole question. I want to I want to bet a little bit on that route's uncertainty. I'm trying to get good prices on both uh, and get a little exposure to both. <clears throat> the The Bateman stuff, I, I was saying this to some buddies that I just think he's a little bit too rich based on what their offense actually is because of just what their offense was in 2021. And um, so I would like to get a good price on him in that regard. Davis is one, like, I just want to make sure I have some exposure to because if he does run a, a full slate of routes in in the bill's offense, he's going to be great. And if he doesn't, if he's still part-time, which I don't really buy, like they're, all their moves seem to suggest they're, they're, um, they're uh,
0: buying into him. So I would say that like, if I had to take a side on Davis, I'd say I'm in on him. Yeah. And we'll throw DK Metcalf um, kind of in, in that same boat. You got, you touched on him earlier. um, DK in the fifth round. I mean, you have to, you have to want some exposure to that. Yeah. Um, and Andrew, you're, you're on that train as well.
1: It's like the Jim Cramer, the bye bye bye, like sound drop. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? The bye I know the Jim bye Cramer's. bye Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. No, I, I I'm all in. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Is like if you're gonna compare those three, and I, I like Bateman a lot, Theo, as you alluded to, but like, D- DK Metcalf out of those three and others in that fifth round has a ton more talent. Now I know his situation is absolutely god awful, but my my question is like, is it would it be that shocking for his Talent to, to transcend some of that and get enough volume. Like I don't think that that's too crazy of a scenario. Um While I like Bateman, I think that it's it's getting harder and harder for me o- OTC to be overexposed to Bateman than DK Metcalf. So I'll be taking more DK Metcalf probably on a go-forward basis after. Yeah, uh,
3: Metcalf has has fallen out to a range where he pretty clearly has room to more run. upside yeah. than than the guys that he, the receivers he's being drafted around. I mean, in my draft he went. One pick after Mooney, one pick before Lazard. Uh, I mean, we're,
0: we're talking about DK Metcalf, yeah. yeah. And I'm so, not last year, your opinion on Lazard? I'm, that's some I'm disrespect I'm not on his into name the, into the chat. Um, uh, but yeah, if you're if you're thinking about taking uh, Lazard and DK Metcalf and your OTC, I, I think it's you got you got to re- recheck your your priorities here. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk about the Denver wide receiver situation. Um, do you have a, a preferred way to play it, or is that a situation you're you're going to be avoiding uh, when it comes to Sutton and Judy at ADP? I'm not avoiding, because uh, I do think Denver is a good
3: bet to be one of those offenses that takes a pretty big step forward, right? And, and you realize you want a piece of that, right? Um, they're an interesting offense. There's a lot of pieces that you could talk about having exposure to. I mean, even – at tight end, there's multiple tight ends. I think it's it's really been it's been fun to track the Albert O and, and Greg Dulcich stuff. Pat uh, over at Ship is a big Dulcich guy. Our buddy Davis Maddock is a big Albert O guy. They've been going back and forth all year. I think you can get exposure both those tight ends. I think in the later rounds, you, I I'm more KJ Hamler several rounds later than than Tim Patrick, but you you can have your options there. Um, and then in the as far as the early guys. You have, you know, obviously both Judy and Sutton. For me, the preference is Sutton. Like, I think Sutton's a better fit with Wilson. I think, I believe he's a good talent who's been hurt. But every time, like, he's been really pretty good when he's played over the last few years. Judy, I'm, I guess, a little bit more skeptical of, although he was pretty clearly playing injured after coming back from the high ankle sprain last year. I almost put no stock in the splits where like Sutton wasn't getting volume when Judy was around. I mean, mm-hmm. I think a lot of that had to do with Teddy Bridgewater and the yeah, yeah. other stuff. But um, I think I, you know, I tend to lean Sutton just because I guess I'm more confident that he's the better talent. Absolutely can see a case for taking either. And it's one of those ones where I kind of want to be exposed to either, right? Or or both in in different ways. Because I do think the overall situation, like I think Russ is going to have a good year in Denver.
0: Uh, we're, we've quickly turned into a, a, a zero RB uh, show. We've gone all, all wide receiver here and I think we'll keep it going. <laughs> That's <But> great. We're, <laughs> creeping on, we're creeping up on an hour and 15 uh, and we value your time. Um, we want to just quickly get your opinion here on, I'll, I'll say a couple of upside wide receivers and you tell me which one you're in on most. Uh, Drake London, Kadarius Tony, Chris Alave, Traylon Burks. I'll take London,
3: then probably Burks, then probably Tony. Alave is the one that I've been a little less convinced on, I guess. He was an older prospect. Uh, over the last couple of years, his college target sprout run actually dropped off a little bit as the competition got stronger. Where Garrett Wilson's continued to rise, Jackson Smith and Jigba's the last two years have were good in his freshman year, Rose's sophomore year. So, a lot to me, look that trend a little bit speaks to maybe he's more of a, an ancillary piece at the NFL level than an you know, this potential breakout elite number one. And then you talk about if Michael Thomas is healthy, both Jarvis Landry still earning volume on a really high clip per route. So, both yep. Thomas and Jarvis are guys that are going to soak up plenty of volume. Olave feels like sort of an ancillary piece. Definitely could be explosive in the big play, you know, downfield, roll, do some things. Um, but the the true like breakout scenarios I think are, are greater for London and uh and uh Trelon and and even for Kadarius Tony, who had a really good target sprout run, small sample, could be somebody who's just really good at earning volume. He's just a wide, wide error bar kind of guy, low floor, high ceiling. You said quick. I, I, that was the quickest I could
0: possibly
1: Theo, I think you – I want to make sure you hit on any wide receivers, but I guess, Ben, just to ask like an open-ended one. So if we miss out, we were talking a little bit about like the last draftable wide receivers. I absolutely love that concept. Um, as, as I said earlier, you guys just put it in terms that I wish – I wish I was smart enough to distill it down uh, to something that simple. Are there any good values that stand out towards the end of the, uh, of the draftable wide receiver range, or have you been mixing and matching towards that end? Anything that's more upside that you want to want to just get out there before we switch uh, to a different position? Yeah.
3: I mean, I, KJ Handler's one that I want yeah. some exposure to. Wondell Robinson's a rookie I really like. I'm, I'm looking through ADP right now. Uh, I, I think you could take stabs at Will Fuller and Julio Jones at this point and, and hope because I, I do think both of them still have enough talent that, they would be draftable on a roster, but they're going so late that you can take some stabs. Um, I just mentioned Jarvis Landry. I mean, it's kind of a bet against Michael Thomas's health, I think, but especially if you have a ton of youth, if you hit a lot of second year and rookie players, which sometimes I'll build a wide receiver core where like my first six receivers are all rookies or sophomores. Uh And then getting a guy like a Jarvis Landry you know, in the 13th round as your wide receiver seven, and you're like, well, at least I got a, you know one dude that, that I think earns volume at a really high clip. And uh, as I wait for some of these guys to break out, the, the thesis on the young guys a lot of times is they're going to need to break out later in the, in the season. Maybe I'll be starting Landry a little bit in the early part of the year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, most of the guys after that sort of that range or even before that range, I don't really necessarily think I have a ton of upside. Kenny Gollany is a guy that from, in yeah. terms of value, he's still – He's sort of fringy in the end of that that draftable wide receiver range. I don't think he just, like, forgot how to play football. I think he had, you know, a pretty bad year last year for sure, but he's still, like, 28. I mean, he's not done. Yeah. So.
1: I, I like Golly. It's kind of gross, but I kind of like DJ Chark. I haven't pulled the trigger on him a, a ton, but, but I, I kind that. of like him if he really slips into that 15th, 16th round.
3: Yeah, I get um, that for sure. Yeah a Guy, I would awesome. I would pull the trigger on probably if in a certain build, if I needed to. There's a lot of them that I just wouldn't, you know. Yeah.
0: Um, maybe elaborate a little bit on on Alec Pierce and your thoughts on him.
3: I guess I'm not really sold because uh, he wasn't a huge producer in college, but I have heard of some you know some good arguments that maybe that was more about Ritter, and we should be more concerned about Ritter. Uh, it's never great when you have you know your quarterback actually got drafted as well and you weren't that productive with him in college, right? Um yep. But he's a good athlete, explosive. I could see him being, you know, a good sort of late-round basketball, spike-week type of player. I don't know that I want him in, like, a, in a main. Um, the other rookie, like, I just saw George Pickens' name on my ADP list here. Like, I, I would take some stabs at Pickens. He was a guy who did have some, you know, before his ACL, some good – numbers uh early in college at, at a young age which tends to be pretty you know predictive and uh I would probably go with a guy like him who's going quite a bit later than Pierce uh, or Wanda Robinson who's going later people don't like his size right but like I, I tend to not be as concerned about that kind of stuff oh Corey Davis is another name that I think it's just weirdly undervalued
0: yeah, Ben is in on all three Jets wide receivers. Yeah, which is weird. I'm not in on Zach Wilson. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Independently, don't take them on the same teams. I'm with you guys. Yeah, yeah. If,
0: if they if they don't target their running backs at all or their tight ends at all, and we get all those guys like 20 plus, that that could be interesting. Um, I'll give you one more tier wide receivers. Pick one or zero between Claypool, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Tyler Lockett, um, and Tyler Boyd, and I. Probably shouldn't have put Ayuk in there. I feel like he might be uh, the most appealing uh, of of those guys. So we can take it: Claypool, Lockett, or Boyd. Yeah, uh, I would have going. said
3: Ayuk, uh, yeah. Claypool, Lockett, or Boyd. I, I'm just sort of out on Lockett. I guess I'm just really buying that. That I just it's sort of a gut feel thing. He's always been really good, but you know what everyone else is seeing what the market is seeing is that he was always a really good fit with russ there were so many of those plays where russ extended it and and lockett would break free and they'd get a long play so much of his efficiency was tied to his connection with russ and so it's just and he's he's not always been that the picture of health he's not a guy i want to take swings on i guess i would go uh claypool in part because his you know his adp is sort of higher um you know, honestly, I'll just take Boyd because I think it would be Boyd. Boyd is the one that is is always too cheap. He has two really good teammates. Uh, I think it's easy to forget. Like, there's gonna there's contingent value there. If either Jamar Chase or T. Higgins misses time, like Boyd, I think it probably returns value. Even if they don't miss time, he's a good player. He's a good number three receiver and a good passing offense. But if they did miss time, I think he can be like a fifth round wide receiver type producer. Like say if Jamar Chase got had a serious injury. Obviously, I'm not hoping for that. I just drafted him in the first yeah, round of my first no. main event. Please yeah. freaking don't do that. But yeah. if that happened, T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, I think, are I, I think Higgins is a star, but I think Tyler Boyd is producing at a pretty high clip. This guy's always been a good football player. Yeah. But no, why sure. you're
1: the you're the consummate professional, Gretch. You, you 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 were put on the clock and you talked yourself all the way around all three of the options <laughs> uh, and, 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 and got to a good answer. Love it. What a pro.
0: So we're at a we're at a buck 20. Um Ben's been been super generous with his time, and we, we don't want to go too long because we want him to come back to the GOAT district at some point. So Ben, this was awesome. Uh let everybody know where they can find you. I mean, first of all, I'm having a great time. I didn't even realize we were at an hour 20. But, um, we appreciate that. This That's was I want to say
3: I want to Josh, who asked specifically – I didn't see his question, but specifically because I wasn't really into Pittman. Basically, I just think the Colts are still going to throw the tight ends at DC Mount. They're going to throw to Hines and Taylor. They're going to be run heavy. Pierce is going to have some big plays. Pittman's going to be a good, not great number one. And I just don't really like their passing game at cost. But maybe I'm wrong there. Maybe I'm just wrong to be sort of out on everyone. But that is a good call. Uh, that if I'm not in on Pittman, maybe I should be taking more stabs on Pierce. You can find me at uh, bengresh.substack.com is my newsletter where I write about a lot of this type of stuff. Uh, Stealing bananas uh, over on the road of his radio podcast feed with Sean Siegel. Twice a week right now. Um, Ship chasing Wednesday nights with Pat Crane and Pete Overzet. We're just drafting all the time. We're going to be starting up our mains. We're doing slow mains. We're gonna be starting up our live mains pretty much as soon as those kick off. Pretty much all through August on Wednesday nights, hitting up, uh, basically like live streamed main events. So you know, come hang. Two 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 last last questions. First of all, l-
1: love that. One, if you take pits early, which you did, this is what I, I want to know. This is se- selfish. Are you gonna? Go are you gonna take another tight end? I'm not taking another tight end. I, we really might not. not. I'd rather the lotto tickets.
3: So, I really would. we typically want in tight end premium, I typically like to build in a little bit of safety at tight end and not be completely done. Have and but essentially, having said that, and this is a zero RB team, we were talking about just like firing off yeah. a ton of running backs and just okay. like we're so early in July, like exactly what you just said, like as many a lot of tickets as you can. Take two guys in the same backfield. You know, we were talking about maybe take (laughs) Sony Michelle and Raheem Mostert, which isn't really our target. That's why I'm using that as an example because I don't want to sit here and tell all the targets that we're thinking about. But you know, take (laughs) both those guys and be like, we're we're going to cut one of them in the first waiver run. Yeah. But we're drafting in July and we want to. We're going to want to cut people in the first waiver run anyway. So let's just bake this in during the draft. I mean, I'm right there with you. Do stuff like that. Okay. So then the last last question. Then Theo, you
1: might have a last last last. I don't know, (laughs) Gretch. Uh, we we gotta do a slow main between the three of us We're, or fast main or something. We we gotta we gotta do something. a, a, a stealing the clutch OGs or some some kind of main event.
3: Anyway, have have
1: I'm putting it on the spot, but we, we we gotta do it.
3: I, I I have like I have a ton of co-managers that
0: I'm like trying to cut oh, down sure. how okay, many people right, you know.
3: well I mean I would love to do it with you guys. Uh I maybe it wouldn't be the most help during waivers because I, I literally have like ten <laughs> different co-managers already. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we'll, or maybe we'll do, we'll do the waivers. We accept we accept your offer. Oh, All right.
0: Usually, so yeah, usually, usually you start with the football guys re- request. You know, Andrew. That,
1: no, oh God, just nobody wants to do the football part. guys. I mean, yeah. I, sorry, FFPC, they're great partners. Everyone we enjoy the forward. football guys. We, we love them. the football guys. Main events is where it's at.
0: Main events is where are where it's at. Um, and this show is where it's at. Um, thanks for everybody for listening. Uh, thanks to Ben. Thanks to Andrew. Um, we'll be back next week. We have Adam Krautwurst from Draft Sharks coming on. We have Billy Wazowski, uh, the defending NFFC RotoWire wire Online Championship winner uh, and an NFFC Hall of Famer coming back to the Goat District. Uh, So we're rocking next week. We're going to help you win your leagues. And everybody have a great night. Thanks, everybody.